The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We all have those thoughts that will not die. Along with many other thought distractions, these can keep us from thinking clearly and focusing on what we desire and who we can be. This is Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. What if you could learn to command the power of thought and make the laws of the universe work in your favor? It can be done, and it just takes some adjustments to become a thought genius. Now, here is your host, Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin. Welcome to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. And uh, this week, uh, I have a very special friend and guest, uh, uh, Barry Goldstein. Uh, Barry is a uh, composer, a producer. He's a researcher on vibrational effects of music for more than 25 years. Uh, Barry brings his knowledge of frequency, resonance, entrainment, and harmonics into the uh, Healing with Music series. Uh, I believe it's called Ambiology. Uh, which, which is kind of an interesting term um, when, when you look at uh, music as a, a healing property, and I'm sure we're going to have some great conversation about that. So uh, some of this ambiology is being used in hospitals, hospices, uh, medical offices, individuals, uh, homes, uh, all over the world. Uh, he's also a Billboard Top Ten recording artist and has composed music for uh, film and television. His work spans many styles and genres from co-producing uh, uh, the Grammy Award-winning soundtrack of 1969, Freedom Special, so with Les Paul and providing uh, original ambient music for Shirley MacLaine, Neil McDonald, uh, Walsh, uh, Greg Braden, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and Daniel Amon. Um, in his new book, Secret Language of the Heart, Barry shares uh, how every one of us, uh, whether you're musical or not musical, can harness the power of music to alleviate any specific illnesses, uh, reverse negative mindsets, and attitudes to dissolve any kind of creative blocks and improve overall health. Barry, welcome to the show. It's good to spend some time with you again. Dr. Fannin, how are you? I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, I'm I'm doing great. It's uh, it, it, whenever we do these uh, events with Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, we always have uh, so much fun. There's a lot of work, but we always have a lot of fun, and it, it's great to have Barry around when we do those. Um, you have an amazing career. So, when did you know that you really wanted to make music a career? Well, you know, I started at a very young age in terms of having a connection with music. Um, and really, the, the first time I picked up a guitar and learned three chords, I was really writing songs. So it was always a vehicle for me uh, for expression. And I think I always knew that it was something that I wanted to do with my life. But, you know, we all carry our limited belief systems as we're growing up. And, you know, I was brought up in a household where I was encouraged to do music, but I always heard, uh, it's a nice hobby, Bo. What are you going to do for a living? You know, so until I was really about 28 years old, I decided to take the plunge and do music, not just as a career or a job, but really as my heart's passion and something I was willing to dedicate my whole life to. And, um, you know, I think that most of us uh, in our exploration and on our path are really looking to uncover what our heart's calling is. And for me, um, you know, music has always been that vehicle. You know, I'm sure that you've had a number of highlights in your career. 
you have one or two that kind of stand out as uh, maybe that pivot point that uh, propelled you forward or that opened a door or you had that aha moment that uh, really tend to, to move things faster for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that my my big catapults forward really came um, after moving through a big block, which I think is very much so for a lot of us. You know, uh, when I moved through my challenges uh, that were geared towards losing my passion, once I became a, a record producer and I was doing it full time, it began to be a job, you know, and just like every other nine-to-five job that becomes humdrum, my music career began to become humdrum. And that's really what kind of started me on the healing aspects of music was as my own coping mechanisms for uh, that jadedness with the music business, I started to uncover uh, or re-uncover my love for music again. Uh, And so one of the biggest breakthroughs was re looking at my my whole creative process, you know, moving from creating songs, a four-minute song that would take a hundred hours in the pop domain or doing a jingle, I started to free fall and create music that would take much less time but would come through me as opposed to me composing it. I use uh, the terminology in my book that I was actually decomposing. You know, everything <laughs> I... Uh, doesn't sound great, right? But uh, it's true. I was decomposing everything I learned about creating melodies and in, in pop music. I had to unlearn and really move into another sense of, of composing. So my biggest really breakthrough was utilizing music as a tool for my own coping mechanisms. And, you know, with that, I never thought I would be putting this music out. You know, a friend of mine who was do, doing massage therapy um, said, you know, you have to put these out. People are, are going to love these. I'm like, what do you mean they're going to love them? These are like pieces of music that are an hour long in length. They don't have any melody. Uh, and, you know, I listened to her, and that's when the, the healing aspects of what I'm doing really started branching out. You know, people started giving us endorsements and testimonials from everything from delivering children into the world with this series, which which you mentioned is called Ambiology, to, you know, uh, to helping people transition in hospice, you know, being used in operating rooms. And that was really uh, the biggest breakthrough for me was utilizing music for my own healing process. And that enabled me to focus more. It enabled me to tap into what I really wanted to do. And that was really share music in a way that it would benefit and be able to transform people. And, you know, that increased focus really led to my second major thing, which was that increased focus and determination led to me working with one of the um, biggest innovators and inventors in the music business that we know, which was Les Paul, who invited, who invented the solid body electric guitar. So, you know, I feel it was really based on my focus and uh, my ability to um, look at big picture and detail within, within, you know, the creation of music that led to me working with Les, which later, won to, later went on to win a Grammy um, in 2005. So, you know, my big message is, well, how do we all implement a musical program that could enable us to connect more with our heart passion and our heart's vision? You know, I can tell you that that, that is absolutely true. Um, when I do my meditations, uh, you know, sometimes I'll use a guided meditation, sometimes nothing at all. And the times when I use the music, it's the music that I've gotten from you. And uh, I think there are, there are times when I go so deep in those meditations, and, it's, and it really has a lot to do with the music itself. And, and I, I think the first time I ever did that, and uh, I can't even remember which event we were at. It was, might have been Colorado or somewhere. But um, I, I listened to that and I said, wow, there is something amazing with this uh, music because I had never felt that way before when I meditated. And uh, it just, uh, I, I don't know what the music did. And it still does it to me when I listen to that particular track. So. Wow. Yeah, and you know, I, th- I think the, the biggest misconception with this type of music is that, you know, because it sounds simple, that it's easy to create, you know, and I think there's a lot of complexity around creating something that sounds simple. 
You know, and music is a really complex delivery system. You know, there's a lot of things going on within a piece of music that I'm sure we're going to talk about. You know, more than more than just the notes that are in the music, there's a whole other field of you know, of, of harmonics that are being created through the composer's intention, the emotions, right? So, and, mm-hmm. yeah, let, let me ask you a question here. Sure. When, when you are composing, do you have a melody in mind? Do you hear a melody in your head? Or do you just start playing notes and your genius kind of picks it up from there? How, well, how know, do you work that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I start off, you know, in what I call a creative free fall, you know, and that's really, I I don't necessarily write down a melody, but I really just allow the music to come through me. You know, I start uh, with a lot of times it's the sound itself that inspires me, you know, just like an artist might look at his palette and see all these amazing colors and say, Oh my God, I'm going to start with that color. Right. It's really the same analogy for music with me. I'll start with a sound or I'll create a sound. And the next thing I know, like yourself, when you are listening to it and you, you find yourself kind of just moving into the music, I uh, myself will move into close to a meditative state or sometimes, you know, I will be in a meditative state while composing initially. And then, you know, as I, I, com- I create layers on top of that, that's when the melodies start surfacing and, you know, there's different harmonics and harmonies that I'll incorporate into a piece. But the fun part is, um, Dr. Jeff, is it's not knowing what you're doing. And that's where the fun comes in. Yeah, so how do you know when you're satisfied when it's done? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to go the wrong way with this, but you know, it, it's similar, it's similar to, you know, an orgasm, you know, how do you know when it's over, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, something you can't put into words, but you know, it's over. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know when you've hit your climax and your plateau, you know, and I think it's really, that's where it also comes into listening to your heart. And, you know, knowing when something feels complete, you know, and, and really that's what, you know, um, the new book is about. It's not really just teaching people, you know, what frequency to use here or what frequency to use there or how to play crystal balls. You know, um, although I support all of those things, you know, it's really um, it's really empowering people to see what resonates with them. You know, see what feels good to you when you're listening to a piece of music, because our our body, our minds, our emotion, our spirit tells us what that is. And we just really have to listen to it. So when when you're uh, creating a piece of music, do do you add things on like, you know, crystal bowls or things like that? Or or do you just use it with the technology and and sounds that that I know you have like this keyboard that, that you work with uh, do you add other things to that as you're creating absolutely yeah and I think every piece is different you know and um, it, it's a different recipe for every piece I, I add live instrument to some pieces some pieces I'm actually molding sound you know think about like sculpting sound I'm using specific waveforms and specific um, you know textures within a sound to elicit a certain response in myself and the listeners you know so if, if I'm gonna be creating an ambient piece of music and I want people to really be able to surrender right and go into a, a, a field where they're just kind of experiencing being in space, right? I'm going to create a piece much differently than if I'm going to be using um, rhythm to ignite the heart's passion, right? It's going to be a different recipe. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, every piece of music starts, you know, with an intention of really, you know, what do I want to create with this piece? What, like, like that picture, what type of, what type of art am I going to be creating here? And what do I, what do I want it to evoke in myself? Right. And how am I going to create a bridge with this musical piece to get there? Yeah. So, uh, have you ever had any pieces that you've created and then sometime later go back and get some inspiration and, and think, oh, I, I need to add this to it? Have you ever had that happen? Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's part of the creative process. You know, there's many steps to the creative process. And a lot of times you play with something and you're composing it and, you know, you're pretty sure you're done. And then you listen to it again and you just like you start adding little things that really are enhancing it on a much more subtle level. You know, so you get to fine tune initially your, you know, your tuning. But when you're um, when you're in the creative process, you also get to a place where you're fine tuning things. You know, and, and that's an important part of the process. Yeah. So we've all had those moments when we wish we could have a do over on something. So you, know, <laughs> you must have some experiences that uh, that you'd like to take back or do them over again. Uh, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, coming up as a songwriter, because what a lot of people don't know is I'm, a, I'm also a singer-songwriter and, you know, wrote songs for many years. And, you know, I think along that process of exploring it, I wanted to learn about every genre, you know, and see which one resonated with me. And I wrote, uh, which were friends that I have from 30 years ago will remind me of, a terrible song, a terrible country song called Champagne and Roses, you know, and it was very, very hokey. You know, I wrote, wrote another um, punk rock song called Slam Dance You, you know. So these are pieces that, you know, I'm not, um, I would love to take back, but you know, it's all part of the process. You know, it, it becomes part of your music repertoire to be able to pull on different rhythms, different genres, different styles. So there really are no mistakes. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, genre that you, you just really enjoy writing music in that vein? Well, you know, I'm still exploring, you know, I'm still creating my own genres. You know, I'm utilizing music now as a melting pot. You know, so if you've heard like some of um, my album that I created last year called Ignite the, Ignite the Heart, and we actually just won um, the, an award for that called the Cover Awards, it, it won for Best World Fusion of 2015. So it combines like these really epic drums with chanting, there's hip-hop beats behind it, there's Gregorian chants, there's ethereal tones, you know, so I'm enjoying the exploration of combining my favorite genres you know, that I've worked in, everything from ambient music to hip-hop to dance music to electronic um, to acoustic music to, you know, into my own genres. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that must bring a lot of joy in being able to have that uh, breadth and depth of creativity. Just, you know, uh, it must be just really joyful when you're in that mode and, and going in that direction. Yeah, and you know, when you're in the right space, right, and like I said, that CD was called Ignite the Heart. I will tell you for a fact, and you can, my fiance will vouch for this, usually a CD will, you know, take me a, from a year to sometimes two years to create. That CD ignited my heart while I was creating it. I did that whole CD in six months, and I had an amazing amount of fun doing it. Uh, that's really terrific. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, your your new book. And uh, let's take a short break now. You're listening to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior, as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, we're back with my guest, Barry Goldstein, and we've been talking about music and how transformative it is and uh, how he creates some of his music. And um, now I want to uh, turn to the new book that you have out. It's called The Secret Language of the Heart, How to Use Music, Sound, Vibration as Tools for Healing and Personal Transformation. How did that come to be? How did that come to be? Well, um, our good friend, Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza, and, and I were having a conversation, and I had a publisher that had approached me a year before, and Dr. Joe had said, well, how, how, come, you, how come you didn't um, move forward with that? And I said, that's a good question. And so we had this whole conversation, uh, really, about um, you know, voicing the many years that I've been doing this and, and putting it into a body of work. And um, at the same time, you know, I had become really, really um, curious about, about the the science behind how music was being used in medicine as well. My fiance is a naturopathic medical doctor, and her world started really intertwining with mine. You know, we say we're kind of like Reese's peanut butter cup, where her medicine got in my music, and my music got into her medicine. <laughs> and you know, I was already lecturing at at medical conferences. I was already talking about all of these amazing studies that were being used with music and also had my own ways that I was using music in workshops and my own experiences throughout my life, you know, that were, were major and significant things that happened in my life with music. And, you know, it just really started to uh, envelope me. And, you know, I knew that I had to write this book to be able to share some of these experiences and some of these studies and really bridge the science and spirituality between music as a tool for transformation, but also music as a, as a tool for healing. Yeah, in your book you talk about um, that you can harness the, the power of music to alleviate specific illnesses, reverse negative mindsets and attitudes, dissolve these creative blocks, and improve overall health. How is that possible? How is it possible? Well, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think when we use the term healing, right, I think that most people think of physical healing. I don't know about yourself, you know, but when, when someone says they've been healed of something, we usually tend to associate that with something that's happened physically. And for me, I think healing encapsulates a big picture of what, how, and what ways that you know we can create health and if you think about a pie right with four different pieces you know i always view health as combining our physical mental emotional and spiritual aspects of who we are and anytime that i feel we can move through one of those blocks on some level whether it's an emotional block right, where you've been holding um, a situation for a long time and, and haven't worked with that situation, or you might have a spiritual disconnection, right, or mentally you're in your thought process all the time, or you're, you're not able to sleep at night, right? Anytime we move one of, through one of those blocks in one of those areas, it cannot help but affect the physical body as well. So I love to start off conversations with, well, let's look at the big picture, right, of what healing really is. I mean, if you, you know, if you and I had, um, you know, had a fight five years ago and that was creating enormous stress, right, and you couldn't sleep at night or you had a lot of anxiety over it, right, and all of a sudden you heard a song, right, that 
me and you used to listen to or and have a beer together with, right? And it reminded you of me, right? And this great relationship that we had. And in that moment, you were able to bring an awareness to, wow, what have we done? Five years of this friendship has gone down, you know, has done, gone down the drain. And in that song, you realize that you want to pick up the phone, right? And you want to heal this relationship, right? Is that a healing? Sure it is. Right. Absolutely. And that physical stress that was held from that situation or the anxiety that held from that situation that, you know, you are now releasing, right, and working through, does that affect the physical body? Well, yeah, of course it does. And I think it also where you, you're implying that you can dissolve creative blocks. Wouldn't that be another form of a creative block in uh, creating and sustaining better relationships? Yeah. And how about, let's take it a step further. How about in creating our own health, you know, as well? I mean, we could have our own blocks and belief systems around ourselves being healthy as well. And, you know, the, the thing with music is, and, and that's just really, you know, that's an example of how it's, it's utilized on an emotional, mental phase that music is working with actually um, working through physical illnesses or challenges, you know, such as insomnia, you know, such as working with autistic children, uh, such as working with Alzheimer's patients. You know, these are all documented. There's research behind all of these that we can really get into, you know, of how music's really breaking through things on a physical level. And as you know from working with the brain, you know, music also has um, the ability to assist neuroplasticity, you know, which is our ability to reorganize or our brain's ability to reorganize itself, you know, when we're f- forming new neural connections. Yeah, you, you know, know what a science geek I am. Right. Um, so you know, and, and so you know, I love hearing about all all of this and the and the science behind what it is that is in your book. And uh, so, if you got you know more of that science geeky stuff, bring it on. Yeah, well, I'm I'm more than happy to open that up. You know, uh, if you would like to talk about us, let's talk about a specific uh, specific study. I love our, right. there's there's one that's um in the book that is geared towards autistic children. That's really fascinating because uh, you know one of the can, the symptoms of autistic or autism or being on that spectrum is a challenge in emotionally understanding certain things, you know, or being able to translate this, the actual feeling of emotions, you know, so I could describe sadness to you, right? Um, But words are really not going to explain that. And um, words only can get us so far. And what this study had shown was that when we utilize music to symbolize different emotions, that that was able to increase emotional understanding in autistic children. So, for example, you know, if I wanted to portray what is happiness or what is being happy feel, feel like, um, using the song by Pharrell, which I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, Happy, right, mm-hmm. really, you know, really induces that understanding of what happiness is or what yeah. happy feels like to Yeah, you can't listen to that song without feeling happy. <laughs> right, exactly. And you know the same the other way around, you know, if you listen to Beethoven and a song that is composed in a minor key, which is, you know, is what was done and they are able to say this is what sadness sounds like, right? And yeah. and it enhanced and expanded it was really a breakthrough for for them being able to understand emotions on a different level, you know, and, you know, f- for me and you talking about this, it, it, you know, it's significant, but, you know, people who, who have children who have this challenge, you know, and, and feel that part of their lives missing, it's an enormous breakthrough, you know, to be able to express ourselves and to be able to feel emotions. We don't realize how lucky we are, you know, that we, we take for granted just the ability to feel emotions. Yeah, you know, something that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, because we work with uh, a lot of people who have attention deficit disorder, Mm -hmm. and it seems to me by increasing the the frequency of the music uh, really could impact uh, somebody's ability to focus and concentrate. 
you know, I, I know like when I'm writing or uh, doing something as I'm, you know, finishing my book as well, that um, I like to put on classical music because for some reason that just seems to open up the gateways for me to, to let information flow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you find that, like with attention deficit disorder, that uh, it can quicken the brainwave patterns so that it's kind of like taking a medication, but it's using a frequency? Yeah, and it's it's also about, and this, they're learning more and more about this. It's not um, it's not only the brainwave frequencies. It's also um, in in cases like that with ADHD and attention deficit disorder. It's also important to find out what type of music that each specific person uh, enjoys or likes. Mm-hmm. So preferred music is a big part of it because you know if if you're playing something that doesn't re- resonate with them on a compositional level, right? It's how is that going to affect them receiving it? You know, so um, you want to find and, and get them involved in the process, right, of what music you're going to play for them and see if they're um, going to like the music, you know. Uh, I know that with one of the pieces of music that, that I've created, it's, it's called Ambiology 5, it's called Eden, that we've had some great results, you know, with ADHD, um, autism, um, dementia, for people really being able to relax with that. And, you know, what's, what the best part of that is, is saying, giving it to them in small samples, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you would a medical prescription, right? You're going to start off in a smaller dosage and see if it agrees with the person, right? Before you kind of move them up to, to see if you're getting to whatever you're prescribing it for, you know, the same thing with music. So, you, you know, you want a little t- a bit of a, of a testing ground, start in small prescription and see if they like this piece of music, right? Yeah, you, you mentioned Eden there. That's the one that really moved me the first time I listened to it. And still, every time I listen to that particular cut, uh, it just does something to me. And, and it's hard to describe what that is, but I feel connected. I feel whole. I feel like my level of consciousness has increased. It just is amazing. I don't know how you did it, but it's a wonderful piece. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's sparseness with those conditions, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the, the mind's already too stimulated, you know, in terms of, of what's going on. So if you can create a bed of sound that doesn't contain a lot of uh, melodies, longer tones and textures, right, um, as well. So it's not going to be distracting um, to the person that it really, it really works more with um, putting them in a state of where they're more relaxed, where they could focus and concentrate more. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective uh, or the perspective of an average person, what could they benefit most from your book? Well, here's my intention with this book. Dr. Fanner, is that I feel that if you ask most of us on an individual level, would you like to lead a more heart-centered life, right? And I, and I would define, you know, a heart-centered life as really being able to tap in what you feel your purpose is, you know, here within your life and being able to share your giftedness in the world. Most people would agree that they would, they would like to lead a more heart-centered life, You know, Mm -hmm. we all want to do and share what we do passionately. And sometimes it takes some uncovering to do that. And we're not really taught that, you know, in school. We're not taught a whole lot about our heart's intelligence. You know, especially in this day and age where, you know, where where we need to be stimulated in 30 seconds or we're switching the channel, you know, or, you know, 10 seconds for a YouTube video before we get distracted. You know, there is also... Uh, within us, right, within this, our, our physical body, what I call our internal symphony, right? And this is, it really is the secret language of the heart when we can reconnect with our heart, right, and acknowledge and be in gratitude of the music within us. And we can connect with our heartbeat, our breath, and our sigh, right? We start to then form a deeper relation ship with our heart. We start to talk to our heart. We start to listen to our heart, right? And music 
external music, like songs and musical pieces like you're talking about, they really end up reaching us in a different way once we can connect with our inner music first. So the book is really all about forming a new dialogue with your heart, right? Utilizing music, sound, and vibration to see where those blocks are. You know, are those blocks, is it a physical block? Well, let's try this. Let's use music for an hour before sleep to help you wind down. Is it a mental block where you're in your analytical mind, right? Well, let's use a a piece of music uh, with brain entrainment and, you know, use a piece that contains theta waves, right? You know, is it a spiritual disconnection, you know, where you want to enhance your spiritual connection? Well, let's work with finding a song that helps you connect to that, like for me, in the arms of an angel, right? And so the whole basis of the, of the book is to create a musical program that helps you work with healing on a whole new level and really works with creating coherence, not just in your heart, but coherence in your brain as well and improves your quality of life and your health in the process. Yeah. One of the things that we've noted in some of our research, and you talked about uh, heart coherence and brain coherence, when there is an alignment of that energy, uh, we there there tends to create a field within the field. And, and as we have measured this in energy healing stuff, that um, we are calling that the uh, neurophotonic field effect because it, it does create a field within a field and tends to uh, open up some of those uh, uh, giving power to that healing process, whatever that may be for the individual, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, uh, all of those uh, really seem to come together energetically. And, uh, you know, you you had uh, made a comment uh, earlier about watching television, and if we're not uh, able to connect within a matter of a few seconds that we're changing the channel and all of that. Do you find, real quick before we go to a break here, do you find that that is a, uh, uh, an issue that a lot of people have to kind of change the way they receive the world and music and things like that in order to get over that addiction to distraction? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it's an overemphasis on our mind and, and what we need to stimulate it, and it can become addicting. And that's really, you know, was one of the inspirations of creating the book is, you know, I think there's a strong disconnection from our hearts. And we really, if you think about it, you want some new technology, it's the oldest technology around, really, is within our hearts. Just, you know, putting your hands on your heart and breathing through your heart on a daily basis, you know, is some of the most powerful um, ways to work with sound and vibration, you know, yeah. that I uh, know of. So, Yeah, I want to talk more about that when we come back from, from a break. Uh, you're listening to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. It's time to do all of those things that you always said you'd do in your life. What's stopping you? Is it other people, your environment, fear? What could give you a push? Tune in to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Our show is all about taking risks and turning them into positives and personal gain. We'll help your inner voice speak up and get you out of that comfort zone. Raising the Bar can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. On It's Absolutely All About You, host Eileen Nunez bases her show on the forthcoming book of the same name. If you've been taught to hold your head high and keep your self-esteem in check, where do you go if you aren't yet achieving that goal? Each program is based on a chapter of the book and comes from Eileen's many years of experience in order to help you find your inner peace. Listen for It's Absolutely All About You, live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, we're back with my guest, Barry Goldstein, and we've been talking about his new book, The Secret Language of the Heart, and, uh, and what that's all about. And, and uh, so you talk about heart song, uh, the heart song breathing process. What is that exactly? Well, the heart song breathing process, it's really uh, about connecting with that internal music that, uh, that we were talking about, that disconnect. Well, how do we reconnect? And initially, uh, I was looking for a process that would allow me to move into coherent states before I was composing, you know, and as a New Yorker, you know, I would meditate at home and be in this beautiful zen out space. And uh, on my, my walk to my recording studio, which was about 15 blocks all these things would come into into my field, you know, such as um, a, a homeless person that needed money or an ambulance siren that was, you know, the sound, right? The smells of different things in the New York streets that are not pleasant, you know. And by the time that I got to my studio to create, you know, um, I was already out of my center, you know, and my heart is my center. So I started to uh, use this process for myself. You know, and bef- before I moved into the creative process, I didn't want that, you know, dissonant energy going into a composition because music, you know, in itself record is a field that's recorded. You know, if I'm in a, in a space where I'm not coherent, that's going to go into the music. So I created this, this technique, which is basically putting your hands on your heart initially and really just closing your eyes and allowing yourself to feel the vibration of your heart beating. And that's the first breath. The second breath works towards grounding us, you know, into what we're doing at the foundation. So it's really bringing the breath in through the bottom of our feet, right? And then bringing that breath all the way through the heart and then releasing a big sigh, (sighs) right? So as you release sound from your physical body, you're also relieving anxiety, you're releasing stress, you know, your um, hormones that are created through stress are, are you know, not, not productive as, as much or produced as much. And so then the third breath is geared towards bringing that breath in through the top of our head, right? So we're working with the bottom energy centers, the top energy centers, and then integrating in our heart. And as we bring a breath in through the top of our head, we're surrendering, you know, through our analytical mind. And allowing ourselves really to just tap into our heart's intelligence, you know, yeah. which is, you know, which is, uh, you know, we're, we're moving that energy. The Native Americans say the longest journey you'll ever take is from your mind to your heart. And that's what that third breath is about. And then we're really integrating it in our heart. And this is a process that you can do any time, you know, during your day in two minutes, you know, you, you know, if you had a patient that was tough and you don't want to go into that next patient or client and bring that energy in, reconnecting with your heart, you know, is a great way to just clear that energy, clear the lower vibrational emotions, you know, of, you know, of uh, judgment or anger or frustration. And we want to tap into those higher elevated emotions of gratitude, kindness, compassion. And when we do that, you know, it's not just a mechanism where we're working on our emotions. When we're tapping into those higher emotions, research has shown that that's actually improving our HRV, our heart rate variability within us, which is a prime marker for our health. You know, so this is how the emotional aspects affect our physical body. 
Yeah, and, and there are lots of studies out there that show, um, and we see this in the office here, that some of the studies that, that have been done where people, um, you get two people in a room and whoever has the dominant frequency tends to shift the coherence of the other individual. Mm-hmm. And and so that everything that you said makes perfect sense to me. And there are times when I've had people that come in and I'll be working with them. And when they leave, I just feel drained. And I call them energy vampires. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so then I have to find a way to uh, get grounded again and pull in those higher, faster energies that, that you're talking about. So, you know... Uh, I know from firsthand experience that that stuff really works. We also have measured that uh, looking at the energy in, around a person's body and what their chakra centers look like uh, when they do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there really is a lot of scientific validation to what you're talking about, this breathing process. So, you know, I, I, uh, I would encourage anybody who's listening to, you know, to get your book and to, uh, to really use that tool because it is so effective. Yeah, and again, you know, these are simple, it sounds simple, but, you know, it's all about implementing them into a program, you know, which is really one of the, the main purposes of the book, just as we know meditation right, is good for us, or just as we know as a healthy diet, you know, nutritionally is good for us, until we implement it, you know, we don't, we don't see those changes or transformation. And music is such a simple tool to implement into a daily program because it's, it's so much at our fingertips. And many of us already know, you know, what music affects us in different ways, you know, like, I know if I listen to, you know, the song by the Jackson Five, The Love You Save, right, that that's going to put me in a great mood, you know. Yeah. And so I know when I, I listen just, to rap music, it drives me crazy. <laughs> right. And that's you, somebody else, right, might listen to them and say, you know what, I want to start my day yeah. with that because the, the rhythm of it, it, it drives me and it gets me moving. You know, so that's what uh, is about creating that personal program is identifying, you know, those songs that and those pieces of music that bridge certain emotions for you. And really, we get really deeply into that in, in the book as what bridges, what emotional state are you in, right? What emotional state would you like to go to? And what piece of music might take you there? And there's also, you know, over 100 suggestions of music that you can plug into your day um, and sample playlists of elevated emotional states like there's a a sample playlist for motivation there's a sample playlist for inner peace you know and it gets you started with creating your own unique program you you know in your book you're talking about uh crafting a daily things to be list um in order to create your ultimate day how does that factor into to this for people to get into a routine of you know, really creating their ultimate day and and using music as a vehicle. Yes. Well, things to be is really important because that's really what ignites the emotion, you know, of whatever your intention is going to be for the day. You know, so sure, we all have things on our things to do list that we want to accomplish during our day. Right. But when we tap into a things to be list, it taps into how I want to do those. You know, so it's yeah. I want to, um, I, on my to-do list is to, to be in this uh, meeting, right, with all my company's uh, employees, right? And I need to present in a leadership role. But how I want to do that, right, which would be on my things to be, would be passionate, right? It would be um, kind, right? But it also would be strong or courageous, right? So the things to be list really is the chalice of how we hold those things to do. And like any intention, you need an elevated emotion, right, to really move it into action. Your things to be is what allows you to tap into the emotion of those many things that you have to do during your day. Yeah, what a, what a great uh, prescription, if you will, it, which kind of leads into the next question here mm-hmm. that um, you talk about in, in the book, the ability to create 
and implement musical prescriptions for specific medical conditions. I mean, that's a really interesting notion, and I'd like to know more about that. I'm sure our listeners would like to understand better how that works. Sure. I mean, really, uh, if you go through the the book, it, it, it talks about many different conditions, everything from ADHD, Alzheimer's, um, specific prescriptions to support cancer treatment. Um, you know, it, it's a, a magnitude of, of different prescriptions based on experience and research. But some fascinating things that are kind of going on, you know, within that are, you know, for conditions that you wouldn't think where music would be beneficial. You know, for instance, in Alzheimer's patients, you know, music gives the ability uh, to support neuroplasticity in a lot of those cases. So where, um, you know, where memories are not always accessible through, you know, the, through the specific pathways that are normally associated with Alzheimer's, music can, musical memories can evoke memories based upon the music. So they might not remember 1932, right, where they went to see Count Basie, right? But when they hear Count Basie, okay, and they hear that song, they might have a memory of that specific event that they went to. So music really creates an, an, uh, and works with the neuroplastic um, options of the, of the brain where we're forming new pathways. It's another way to get there. It's new directions. Yeah, it, it's also linking the old ones like you were talking about that when the brain or, or when we have an experience, uh, and we assign some meaning to that experience, like listening to Count Basie, um, that there is a release of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine, and it binds the emotion to that. And so the next time we hear that, and it could be many, many years later, that we're going to recall that that experience. And uh, as you're talking about neuroplasticity, that's the brain's ability to generate new neural pathways. So it, it can tend to link the past with the present, uh, if, if you will. The, so if you're listening to that Count Basie uh, and had that experience and then all of a sudden uh, hear it sometime later and you recognize and it takes you back and has memories that it's connecting those neural pathways, but it's also the neuroplasticity is allowing that connection for the present. And, and I would venture to say that it is also creating a pathway for the future so that uh, you can create new memories and so forth. So, Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you look at it at, you know, from, that, um, from that basis as well where you can explain it you know, through, through neuroscience, you know, which is, which is great. And, and I'm sure you looked at that as well, like in Parkinson's disease, you know, of the basal ganglia. Right. What's mm-hmm. going? Share with us what's going on with Parkinson's patients, and then I'll comment on that. Like when, when within the basal ganglia. Right. Yeah. It, a lot of times, what happens is across the sensory motor strip, uh, there is uh, a, a great deal of activity uh, it, when you look at the sensory part of it rather than the motor side. So the, you get the tremors with the Parkinson's on the motor side of the of the brain, but it's the uh, uh, the sensory aspect uh, that kind of clears that up. In fact, I was doing a consult uh, today with a, a person who was in uh, the German audience uh, this last year in Munich, and he had Parkinson's disease, and we were examining his uh, brain map and talking about it, and uh, when he was in meditation and he was deep within that, uh, there was no uh, evidence of the sensory motor strip uh, being activated like we normally see it in the, the Parkinson's activity. And uh, so in this case, the, the meditation and the music that was going on during that time, and uh, it was your music, uh, was having an effect on him. Right. And I mean, there's also within that specific, um, specific condition, there's also a decrease in the production of dopamine as well. Correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so there's studies with, um, with music that also show that it, it works with increasing the level of dopamine in the brain. And that's one way as well as that it's working with Parkinson's uh, in addition to 
that um, working with rhythm, because what happens when the motor center is affected, it, uh, it affects what's called the gait. You know? So that's the person's stride or the way that they, the tempo mm-hmm. or the rhythm of which they walk. And a lot of times it's, a, it's sporadic you know, with, within Parkinson's patients. So they have found um, that working with drumming you know, allows them to, um, to control their gait right, and affect their gait in positive ways as well. You know, so those drumming circles that, you know, we've been utilizing, you know, in, in the spiritual aspects are also being used, you know, to assist someone with Parkinson's and, and working with gates. So these are the type of musical prescriptions that are in the book, some things that you might not have thought of as, you know, something that you would prescribe for a specific condition, but they're fascinating. Yeah, I was reading a study not too long ago about uh, autistic uh, children and how the uh, things like the drumming, the the rhythmic aspect of that tends to reduce their repetitive behaviors. So mm-hmm. when, when, when they're stemming and, and yeah, they have this repetitive behavior over and over and over again, that th- there is that frequency in the drumming that tends to soothe them and they, they stop doing those repetitive behaviors. Well, absolutely. Yeah, and I love this. This is kind of a great, great way to conclude, too, because I think people, you know, not everyone has an understanding of the mechanism of how music affects the physical body. But it's, you know, and, and with the music I'm composing, the meditation music and, and a lot of the other m- music as well, you know, I'm looking at the mechanism of music as a metronome as well. You know, so our hearts beat at a specific rate for different conditions and when we can move our heart to a more relaxed state right which is normally between 60 beats per minute we have the ability to adapt to those rhythms right so if a person uh, in that case where they're they're probably in a not in a really coherent state their internal rhythm right and their metronome that's within their heart can adapt to the music and when we do that, we're basically creating more orderly heart rhythms, right? So, yeah, it's based on frequency, but it's also based on beats per minute, right? right. So if and I create a musical piece, um, that's going to work with heart entrainment of bringing your heart. As you know, when we put you know, those met, uh, metronomes in a room together, you know that the, they'll end up synchronizing together, right? right. Mm-hmm. And our heart does that with the music as well. So that's how music speaks to our physical body, you know, is through entrainment. And it works that way through heart and brain entrainment. And, you know, setting tempo works with, you know, a a distinct tempo that we can lock into really works well with creating entrainment and coherent. If the coherence, if our body, you know, is all different systems that are working at different rhythms. Imagine that if an orchestra, everyone had different tempos that they were playing at right (laughs) how that would affect your physical body right so when we can create a general rhythm that you know that our heart communicates right it's bringing in this aspect of coherence to our physical well-being as well yeah very very important so uh, very quickly as we wrap up here if people want to learn more about your work and your book how can they find out more well, uh, an easy way to do that is go to barrygoldsteinmusic.com. Um, there's a, a lot of information on the book as well as my music. Um, and that's, you know, that's really the best way. My book is available on Amazon. It's available through Barnes & Noble. It's being published by Herifont Publishing. And um, Dr. Joe Dispenza wrote the forward to the book. You know, it's being endorsed by, I've been very lucky, you know, some of the leaders in our industry, Dr. Daniel Amen, uh, Greg Braden, Neil Donald Walsh, they've all endorsed the books and, of, of course, believe very strongly in the healing aspects of music. Yeah, so I, w- I would encourage everybody to go out and get a copy of this book because it, uh, it's a game changer. It's one of those things that you'll use every day and uh, be able to uh, uh, have life-changing experiences. So I'd like to uh, thank my friend and uh, guest here, Barry Goldstein, for being with us today. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Dr. Fannin. It was great, great interview and a great enjoy talking to you. Yeah, so join me again next week for another interesting episode of Help, My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
thank you for tuning in to the show this week. Please join Dr. Jeffrey Fannin again for another edition of Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week possible. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.